You're listening to the Nerd to Know Media Network. Join us at nerdtoknowmedia.com. And welcome to this week's edition of The Game Corner. My name is Kieran Calicorn, and we have someone new joining us today. Uh, Ray Carney, who very graciously reached out to us online. He is a software developer and games master. How are you doing today, Ray? How are you doing, Kieran? Uh, nice, to, nice to be here. Excellent. Well, thank you very much for giving up your time. Uh, you actually reached out to us with quite a substantial list of games. So you've been kind of doing video games and online games and board games, RPGs for a very long time, haven't you? Uh, quite a while. Um, like, uh, I, I, I went into college a uh, second time, did games development and software engineering. So that kind of uh, instilled a like of not just video games, but card games and RPGs and traditional board games and all that kind of stuff. So it's, uh, it's, 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 like, it's, all, it's all about having fun. And uh, the ones where, like, you kind of you get a group of people together around the table and have a couple of beers and sit back and waste waste two or three hours. They're, they're my favorite. <laughs> I know exactly what you mean. Uh, before we started recording off the air, you mentioned that before the lockdown started, you were running something in the area of ten to fourteen kind of game sessions a month or something like that. That must take a huge amount of scheduling and coordination, like. It takes a lot of scheduling. Like, and I, I wouldn't be running all of them. Um, so, uh, most of the games I run, I probably run maybe say once every two weeks. Uh, there's like one or two of the longer running games we've been going so like every week for the last couple of years. Uh, some of the games I'll run them just once a month on a weekend, maybe uh, three to four hours kind of thing, um, just as an excuse to get some old college friends that I haven't seen in a while to bring them around the house or me to go around to their house. Mm-hmm. And then I'll play in like one or two as well. So that involves me going to some of my other mates' houses of an evening and just sitting sitting around for three hours and uh, make up stuff. Well, that's exactly it. It's a great way to kind of meet people and it's a great icebreaker. Like, I mean, I used to do a lot of these RPGs with my friends from drama college and they found that just the improvising and the thinking on the spot and all that kind of stuff. It's really great to create a group atmosphere, isn't it? It's the fact of like, um, it's, it's such an easy way to unwind because you just get to sit around for the next three hours pretending you're somebody else for a bit. Mm. And kind of, it doesn't matter what stupid stuff that person gets into. You know, you can, if, if you're the kind of guy who likes making puns, your character can make puns and no one's kind of, looking at you and giving you those kind of, you know, rolling their eyes back in the head. That's just their characters they're doing. But you can make all the bad puns you want. You know? um, <laughs> so you can say it's like, in a way, it's you can kind of be a little bit anonymous inside your character. Like you can do things you wouldn't normally do out in the world or in the workplace, that kind of stuff. Exactly. Yeah. It's just kind of like, a, it's like a, a release on that valve. So like, um, like uh, there's friends of mine that are, uh, say, stressful jobs and like say or working for the civil service and all that and being able to just kind of uh put all that aside and 
now I'm a barbarian dwarf and I just want to crush goblin skulls, or now I'm playing a hyper-intelligent wizard and I just want to blow people up with fireballs. It's, uh, it's just a bit of fun. Um, and then there's other friends of mine that like uh, they're really big into Star Wars and all that. So mm-hmm. um, there's a there's a couple of Star Wars RPGs where you can, uh, and especially with the rise of like the Mandalorian and all that, it's uh, it's it, it allows them to kind of you know be the kind of superheroes in space and play up your space wizard and throw people around with the force and all that. You know. Yes, I believe my brother has that one actually. You can sort of really build a game to be any alien you like, any Jedi, any bounty hunter. Like it's very yeah, customizable, yeah. isn't it? Like very customizable, and there's like a hundred different aliens you could be and. You, you like a lot of people want to play the the big real awkward ones like the huts and the chevin <laughs> who are just like massive noses you know so well i imagine that's part of the appeal though it's like you could be like a hut bounty hunter and do something really outlandish you'd never see in the cartoons or the movies or anything like that's 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 that's, that's very much it like you know and, and and at the at the end of the day it's just uh you're for for a lot of people who like if you if you don't write or you don't like say uh, um, have another kind of creative outlet, this is this is kind of like it's a it's 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 almost like a a a group story that's being created, you know. Because mm. at at the end of the day, the the games master or the DM, the guy who's running it, he's just another player in the game, you know. Um, so it's you might have four players and the GM, but the GM is having just as much fun at the table as the other four players have. It's just that he might be kind of uh, reining things in a bit more with the rules and all that, or deciding to, uh, I'll let that one slide. That was a really cool moment. Excellent. Well, I want to back up a bit because some of our listeners might not be fully clued in to what an RPG is. So in a nutshell, and I know this is a big ask, what is a role-playing game to someone who may not have played it before? So... What are the common elements of a role-playing game? Uh, most of them involve you creating a character. Like in anything like Skyrim or something, you'll create your character. You'll say what it looks like, what its stats are. If, is it a fighter? Is it a sneaky kind of guy? Is it a wizard? Um, in any of the pen and paper ones, you, you do that, but it's like it's all numbers on a sheet or just like words as you describe them. Um, it doesn't make a difference if it's D&D or Warhammer or Star Wars. It's it's you're you're going to have a sheet with your kind of your numbers, you know. Um, and then at, after that point, it's like you you decide why your character is doing what he's doing, why he's out in space hunting bounties, why he's off in the back hills of some fairy tale land hunting goblins. You know, it's it that you 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 kind of you figure out why your guy left. A, a very kind of easy life as a farmer or a tradesman and became an adventurer. Mm-hmm. Why, why, why did she decide to pick up the sword and go fight dragons? Or why did they decide to deal with nobles and for pay when they could have become a tradesman, become a carpenter? You know, um, so that's you set your background in place. Um, after that, then it's it all becomes on the kind of the will of the dice because the dice will add that layer of randomness to it. So you decide, I want to uh, persuade that person to give me a discount on something. 
and you might have pretty decent skills and the ability to haggle or kind of charm somebody or whatever stats that are that they're using you'll pick that skill that you want to roll on and that might give you a number and then you roll a dice and the dice will add that layer of of variance to things which is which says the gm then equates that to some other number that he's thinking of and it becomes a thing of like did you did you succeed did you fail maybe you succeeded but other things happened or maybe you failed but it wasn't too bad and you get a little bit extra and there's all this whole range of outcomes that it can be and then that's where the kind of the narration plays out because how do you how how, how do you want to visualize how that came about you get me and, and yeah. that's where a lot of the fun comes then and and the, I... fail, and the failures are just as important as the successes because it's like throwing a spanner into the works causes great you know people start thinking on their feet and what do we do now oh no that messed up we need to do something else what's plan b can't see you know i know exactly what you mean so like the process of discovery is sort of where any rpg starts because i know a lot of people who've kind of heard of like the likes of D and that kind of stuff but they've been intimidated by the front load of things you need to learn to get into it do you know where i'm coming from there is an element of that but say there's an element of that in anything like if you if you if you showed your um your mother like say uh, the latest final fantasy game and go here's a controller go play that <laughs> there's a massive amount of front loaded there as well it's like okay how do i move where do i go here mm. uh, what do, like, there's, a, there's a lot of rules that they need to understand to, to get into that game as well it's just it seems a lot more because it's 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 kind of more old-fashioned with pencils papers erasers and you've got a sheet to fill out and all that stuff but at the end of the day it's a lot of it boils down to you have dice and you roll them and you have a you have something that you want to do and the dice will say you did it well or you failed to do it and that's and like and that's the real kind of um uh, I suppose core of what the system is. Mm. No matter what kind of system you're playing, that's it. And then on one side you have the players who are like playing through the story, and on the other side you have the the GM who's running the story. And it's just a matter of like um, figuring out can someone do this? If they can, how difficult is it? Or on the fly coming up with rules to enable them to even try and do that, you know? Um, and it's the same any board game. Any board game you pick up, you've got like a rule book that could be anywhere from five to 20 pages long, you know? I've, I've played things like Sight, which is uh, quite difficult. And then I've played things like uh, Settlers of Catan, which is like just one page. So it, it, it's, it's pretty kind of a wide range there. Okay. And, um... The suppose the reason that we kind of talked about doing the episode this way was you've mentioned you've been running online sessions for your RPG game. So how do you go about doing that? So there's I've been playing online for two main kinds of systems. Um, one of them is is the fifth edition Dungeons and Dragons, which right. came out about five to six years ago, and it's gotten it's gone from strength to strength over the years. I think the advent of Twitch and YouTube and stuff are just being able to show more people enjoying the hobby. And the other game that I've been playing is uh, Warhammer Fantasy, which is a, I think it's the fourth edition. Mm. Um, 
I think uh, that's that's done by Cubicle Seven, which actually moved their offices to Ireland in the 2018, I think. So they're actually like say developing m more of the game in Mead or somewhere in Ireland, which is a it's it's a cool thing to have like a local company essentially. Um, and so normally you're kind of it's everyone's around the table and you're face to face, so you can see ticks and you can see people kind of say if they're dropping off or whatever. So with this whole lockdown, you're, we, we, we started moving online and there's a couple of different tools that we use. Uh, so for D&D and for Warhammer, I, I, there's, a, there's a site called Roll20. Right. And that's, um, it's a free to use site. There are subscriptions that you can get for like extra features and all that. But uh, the base one is, is, is free and it's got a bunch of, um, I suppose, um, what was it? The community content is generated for Roll20. So you can log in and if you're going to say, I'm going to run a game and then you pick what character sheet you're running or say like what character sheet you want your players to have access to, which is essentially telling Roll20 what game I'm running. So the character sheet for any system is going to be different. So a bunch of different uh, community members have made all of these kind of character sheets that are pretty well scripted. So you just put in some figures and a lot of other stuff is kind of cascades and figures itself out. Um, and then that enables you to upload maps so you can see characters move around on the map or you can manually move them. You can put in enemies, you can fill in different statistics and you're, you're essentially playing with um, all, 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 almost like, um, uh, you're 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 developing the game as you go, kind of like a, like a, like almost like software. There is a bit of a a learning curve to it, but most of the time you just you're just you're just using the basic things of putting up a map and asking your players what they're doing. So roll twenty is one way of doing it. But if you can screen share and show somebody a map you've got in Paint, that probably works as well. Um, okay. Okay. And I just wanted to ask, like, who would you tend to play with, and would you play with large groups or smaller groups? Like, uh, normally, most groups I play with would be about maybe five to six people, and um, uh, because uh, I used to run for one of the local uh, game stores in Limerick, um, there's a good, I don't know, fifty or sixty people. I know of that play RPGs. So um, anytime I start a new game, I try and bring in one or two new people. So for example, in the, in the Warhammer fantasy game I'm playing, um, uh, I brought in my brother to play that because he played the Warhammer uh, Total War games on Steam. And I said, oh, at least he'd know something about that world. So He'd know the armies and that kind of stuff. He'd know, like, yeah, yeah, exactly. But, but like the rules were all new to him. So he was completely new to that system. I was completely new as a GM for that system. I'd never run that system before. Uh, and, every, and the other five players that I brought in, they'd all played D&D, &D, but they'd never played Warhammer Fantasy. So I thought, like, we're doing the online thing new, so I might as well do the Warhammer Fantasy thing new, and we can kind of spend a week or two getting over the bumps, learning the game together as we go, and if we make mistakes, everybody's new, so we don't really care. Okay, and um, 
I know you've been gaming for a while since before the lockdown began, but do you find it's kind of helped you cope with uh, kind of restrictions and stuff? Like, has your life been impacted by the way of the world now that much? Or? Uh, for me, not too much, because I'm a software developer by trade, so um, it wasn't too much. Like, I, I for, for, my, for my actual job, I still work, and I can work from home, so it hasn't impacted me too much that way. And because um, I can still play with most of my friends, it seems to work fine. Um, but there's, like, I definitely have reduced the amount of games I play within a month. Um, before, it could have, like, say, most of these games have gone about, say two to three hours so sometimes i'll instead of going to a pub i'll like i'll go to a friend's house and we have a couple of cans and sit back and we're playing a star wars game for like three hours or on a weekend it could be like a five-hour session and we order takeout in the middle of it or something you know and so it could have been anywhere from like 10 to 14 games in a month that i was either playing in or running and i'd run stuff for like one of the local game stores and get a bunch of people in as well but now it's more like probably like six or seven you know because it's 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 there's a there's a bit more work involved in in running something online than it is running something face to face you're kind of um it's uh like you, you can kind of preparing a bit more maps and you kind of you're because everything's based from your computer, you don't have like written notes and stuff. You're bouncing from like one uh, notepad document to some other PDF here. And it's just, uh, it's, it's, it's just a bit more hassle really, I think, especially when people have like audio issues, issues or they can't connect or their internet goes down and you've got all these other things on top of it as well. Yeah, I have to imagine, like, because I have played the odd D&D game and, like, part of the fun is just relaxing and the bantering. And like you said, even when something goes wrong, it's about you coming together. If there's technical issues or even if you're in a group but you're at the computer on your own, something would get lost a bit in translation, wouldn't it? Yeah, very much so. And it, it, you end up as well because um, when you're face-to-face, there's that kind of... Um, there, there's like kind of a flow to the to the conversation. People can see when someone is about to stop talking, and they'll be able to like jump in and keep it going. When you're online, you don't see that kind of uh, opening. So people talk over each other a bit more. There's like it's sometimes it's harder to hear when someone's saying something. Uh, people can't have like a side conversation to decide what they're doing, while everybody else is trying to listen to the GM. To figure out exactly what the stories do, you know, so it's um there's a there's a, there's all that kind of stuff that that crops in there. Yeah, well, I imagine that's difficult, but still, it's great that you've managed to keep these going throughout the last two or three months, and also bring in new people. Like because I I've been talking to like gaming shops on the show before, and like the amount of board games that people have been buying have just shot up. So like. If there was someone who hasn't played an RPG before, where do you think would be a lovely place for them to start? Um, so with 5th edition, 5th edition came out about five, six years ago. This is think, D&D, think, is it? Yeah, this is 5th yeah. edition Dungeons and & Dragons. Yeah. And it, it released a new edition and the rules are pretty streamlined. And it's very easy to get into the game. There's a bunch of free resources there. They've got a system reference document, the SRD. So if you Google D&D 5th edition SRD, you'll find this free open source 
document that gives you all the basic rules and a bunch of the character classes and all that kind of stuff. And so like, if you wanted to like actually run games and GM them, this would give you everything you needed to do to, to kind of kickstart a game. Uh, and then there's a bunch of free resources that say Wizard of the Coast and other companies have been say adding online to help with people being in lockdown as kind of say you can you can get like adventures and one shots and all of this stuff for free and the thing about um the, the thing about dnd is if you're thinking that you might enjoy a game um there's there's bound to be two or three of your mates who are thinking the same thing and there's probably one or two that that they would enjoy it and they just never it never even crossed their mind because they wouldn't know where to start so a lot of it is really it's like if you've got say six close friends one person just needs to spend an hour or two looking up it's like okay how would you start it and because of the advent of like say twitch and youtube there's so much content out there that teaches you how to run a game you know you could if you like i think uh this uh, some guys on YouTube say like Matt Colville um, is a good one. He's got like a whole 50 videos on how to be a really good GM. Uh, you could look up D&D Beyond, which is kind of like uh, they, they're, they're kind of uh, associated with Wizard of Coast so that they digitize a lot of their assets. But they do videos pretty much every day on YouTube and they'll kind of teach you how to run a game. There's, there's Critical Role, which is like a bunch of um, voice actors and actresses who have been running a D&D game for the last like four years or more, uh, moving from one to the next. And they used to work with Geek, Geek and Sundry, but I think they've gone off on their own now. Mm-hmm. And just even watching how, say, Matt Mercer runs his game is a really good kind of uh, educational thing of how someone else could run a game. And as I said, it's like... Um, it's just a matter of learning and being not being afraid to make mistakes. Um, so like myself and my, and five of my friends, we never played the Warhammer games before. And like Warhammer fantasy RPGs, they've been around since the eighties and around the, it's on their fourth edition now. So they've gone through quite a number of things, but it's um, the fact that of all six of us, none of us had played it. We pretty much got together and like, read through the book was like step by step how do you make a character for this game uh we're in a fight how do fights work and it's like you go to that part in the book and you kind of you work through it in a step-by-step way and it takes a while early on but after about maybe three or four games it, it's like you just becomes a uh, instinct you know and you just know that you need to roll this dice and look at this number and figure out where it's going Excellent. Well, I must say, because I know D&D players, and whenever I asked uh, about Dungeons & Dragons, uh, usually every player has like two or three mad stories up their sleeve from some time when a campaign went wrong or anything like that. Would you have any like strange or crazy stories to mind from your role-playing game history? Uh, yeah, there's a couple. Um, uh, there was a time where I tried to like uh, I I wanted to bring a tank into a game, so I, I created a tank for the guys to fight with, and one of the guys had a had a weapon that pretty much exploded in a massive fireball if he got like uh, like a nat twenty, which is a critical hit, which is like on a d twenty twenty sided die. If you roll twenty, like like mad things can happen. So this guy had a weapon that if he crit on a d twenty, it would explode in a fireball, and 
he managed to squeeze himself into the tank and use about three of the abilities of other players in the team, all stacking him up. But when it came to it, he rolled a 20. So it's it's like it's like a really condensed explosion in the big metal tank. And it was like, that was supposed to be a boss that was meant to last about 20 minutes and they destroyed it in five, you know? <laughs> um, it, so it, like, there's things like that that happen. Um, say in the, in the latest game of the like Warhammer Fantasy, uh, we were going through a combat encounter and my younger brother who hadn't really been playing too much um, uh, RPGs at all before, he, uh, himself and another guy got into a fight with a couple of these cultists. And these cultists are not fighters. They, they've got like really crappy daggers. And oh, I remember. These are the chaos guys, right? Yeah, they're, okay. but like uh, these ones were like they didn't even know they were chaos. They, mm. they, they were they were just like like worshiping some other kind of uh, strange kind of figure. Mm. Um, so my brother and another guy decided to um, encounter these guys uh, and try and take them out quickly. And one of the cultists gets off a, a lucky attack on my brother's character. And I'm like, okay, how do crits work in this game? And figure out, okay, she hit you on the arm. And then roll dice here. And it's like, okay, so, ooh, that looks like a nasty crit. It does X amount of damage. Seems like you're bleeding out. Oh, I think she broke your arm. Ooh, looks like it's a really bad break. And then later on, we're working out that, like, this guy who, like, he's meant to be an archer just got his arm broken and <laughs> like his his arm is now broken for like 40 days so how does that work in the game when you've got an archer whose right arm is now broken for 40 days and it, it's because that system is a lot more gritty it, it becomes it becomes a thing of like well you have to keep it strapped up because if you don't it could actually set badly and mm. if for like for years you could have this really bad set broken arm which is affecting your archery skills you know um there was another player in that game who was playing a witch, um, so trying to mess around with the magic and stuff. And for Warhammer, they've got this really kind of heavy, almost Spanish Inquisition style of hatred of witches. And, and so you have to be very careful. She's trying to be really secretive about it. Uh, but she, but the player hadn't really cast magic before, so they rolled magic to like just like open a couple of, oh, to, to unlock a door. It was a very small minor spell. Um, she rolled super high. Uh, I think it was like ninety nine or something on a d hundred. So it, it's like an automatic crit, but because it was so greater, it was or no, it was sorry for Warhammer. It's the opposite way around. Rolling right. low is really good. Rolling high is really bad. Right. So I think it was like a, a one or a two or something on the roll, which means it was super, super successful and a critical magic roll. But the, char the, the character is like a, a young kind of uh, witch who doesn't really understand her magic too much. And when and when you get a surge of magic that's like really, really good or really bad, it it it's it's kind of like the same thing. You still... The, the magic goes out of control, so you don't like you're you're not able to contain it, you know. And just looking at this, and it's like the, it. I think if the rules had worked out, um, and we weren't really sure of them at the time, uh, the character would just. I, th I think they got uh, they started bleeding profusely from like their eyes, ears, and uh, mouth, and within about two or three kind of turns, that character would have died. Because they were just because they out. tried to open a door. Because they tried to open a door. You know? um, well, I mean, that's exactly the fun of it, though. It's like, as opposed to like a traditional board game, really anything can happen, and that's the fun of it, right? 
it's, it's, yeah, and it's not just like that anything can happen, but it's that your actions have an impact in ways that are unforeseen. So in the fifth edition game that a friend of mine is running, um, we're, we're all playing like fighters in this kind of arena place. Um, and it's kind of, uh, it's, it, I'd say you would think with a game like that, it's just, oh, it's just combat after combat after combat. But um, if, you've, if you ever watched like wrestling or whatever like that, you know that combat's only a part of it and it's the stories behind it and why the people are fighting and the kind, the kind of the, almost um, the, the, myth, the mythology that kind of creeps in, you know, um, and the kind of the rumors and all that kind of stuff behind it is what, it's what makes it watchable. Yeah. Um, so that's so that's what started happening in this game, and it, it it became less about just fighting in an arena and more about why we're fighting to get revenge, and setting up storylines and plot points and taking out certain people. And then one of the guys started. Um, he he went into Photoshop and he started making like magazine covers. So like you've got um, uh, like say five or six characters in the game, and they all had their own magazine cover or they ended up on a card or something, you know, and it's, but because he did that, it, it it's now saying that, oh, so there's this publishing kind of company within this world and it makes that magazine, you know, um, or like uh, one, of the, uh, one of the guys decided that um, he wanted to be kind of a gunslinger. So at that point, it's like, okay, if, you, if you're a gunslinger, then guns exist in the world. <laughs> By making the character a gunslinger, he yeah. just made guns exist in the world. Same when someone, if they choose to be like a cleric of of a certain god, they're saying that that god exists in the universe that the GM is creating. So it's you have such a such so, such a massive impact and control on the game you're playing is is what makes this kind of really really interesting. Excellent. Well, we are just about out of time. Is there anything else you'd like to say on the air before we wrap? Uh, I I would mention that. Um, when the kind of the lockdown starts easing and you can kind of uh, go back and shop again to give your local game stores a bit of love. So in, in Limerick, you have The Gathering. I think in, in Dublin, you've got um, like, it's Gamers World, I think. Um, oh, there's a couple of the, other places. On Parnell in, Street, yeah, that's a good place. Yeah, and you've got a couple of other places in Cork, like Sandbox and all that. Yeah, and the the table, like, we've got Tabletop, they've been on with us. Yeah, and, and the thing is, like, a lot of these companies will, like, a lot of their bread and butter comes in the summer when they go to different conventions and they're kind of, like, selling a lot of stock or buying a lot of stock um, or just tournaments that happen throughout the month, you know? And it's, like, because of the impact of all this, a lot of those tournaments haven't gone or a lot of those conventions uh, had to be postponed. I know, like, say, there was a Dublin Comic Con that was meant to go on in March and has, to, has postponed, so it never went in March and it meant to possibly go on in August but who knows what that's about and there's a Cork RPG con that should be going on in November so but like so it's a lot of things like if you're if you're going to buy something maybe don't buy it on Amazon and go into a shop and talk to people and see if they give you any advice and what game you'd like to play and what game that they think you might play well with and buy from your local shop. Yeah, that's a really good point. And there is a social aspect to it as well. So going to a shop where they kind of know what they're about and they play the games is much more a part of the rewarding process than, like you said, if you ordered it, like. Yeah, and it's, it's it, like it'll probably cost you 
a little bit extra or, or a lot more extra depending on what you're getting but um you're supporting a local business and it's always it's always good so that in a couple of years time yeah you know where to go for more information or if you need something uh specific to a certain game you know you you, you might have contacts that you can uh, get access to excellent well ray thank you so much for coming on the show i hope you had fun yeah, it was good it's, it's always good to chat i, I like chatting about my hobbies Excellent. And you presented it very well. Thank you very much. We will take a quake, a quake, a quick break now even. And after the break, we will have Brandon Brown on, who is a secondary school student, talking about the video games he's been playing during the lockdown. So we'll be back in a sec. Stay with us. All right. So you're listening to the podcast. You're like, hey, I'm not in Ireland. How do I get in touch? Well, TuneIn has you covered. That's how you can check us out live when we're on the radio. Um, you go to tune in and download the app or you can check out the live streams on nairthnowmedia.com or phoenix92.5 fm if you want to get in contact with us it's very easy Media everywhere Media on twitter Media instagram Media on twitch Media at gmail.com if you want to reach out via email hope to hear from you soon are you a nerd do you like hearing about a bizarre range of topics from the world of nerd? Does your heart and hairstyle still belong in the nostalgic 90s? Are you a sucker for spooky weirdo things? Well, whether you're a hardcore nerd or a vanilla ice ice baby, Straight Outta Canto is the podcast radio show for you! Straight Outta Canto, that's K-A-N-T-O, Ireland's number one show for nerd culture, nightmares, nostalgia and more. Straight Outta Canto. And welcome back to the Game Corner. My next guest is Brendan Brown, who is a secondary school student who wants to talk about the games he's been playing since lockdown. Brandon, how are you doing? I'm doing all right. Thanks very much. How about yourself? Uh, very well, thank you. And thank you so much for reaching out to us. You reached out to us kind of over Instagram and stuff, didn't you? Yeah, I seen an ad. So I just thought that I'd um, give you a show. Excellent, and thank you very much for doing that. Now, uh, before we get into the games you've been talking about, I just want to ask, you're a secondary school student, so how has your life been impacted by the lockdown and all that kind of stuff so far? Um, it hasn't been too bad. I mean, the kind of the pressures of school and all have kind of been taken away. You know, I mean, less routine and all that. But still, like, getting work done and all, doing house jobs and all that. And uh, I'm guessing you're still kind of doing online classes or all that kind of stuff, like? Um, I had done a couple of them, but my school didn't really get into online classes. We kind of just done, like, just gave us work. So we just done the work and sent it in. Okay. And uh, are you, do you prefer, like, kind of the working from home or do you miss going out to the school and all that kind of stuff? I didn't really feel like that I worked well from home. Mm. I thought I'd be better off in school. Yeah, I think we've had, you're not the first secondary school kid we've had on. A lot of people have been saying they yeah. miss kind of physically going there. Like, It's just hard to concentrate at home. Like, mm. you know, because I, I have a lot of younger brothers and sisters. So, like, I might have to just stop them doing, like, in the moments I'm listening, just go and mind kids and stuff. Yeah. Oh, no, I completely get that. Like, I have a young baby at home, like, and even just kind of everyone being in the same space all the same time, that's kind of stressful, isn't it? Like, yeah, to be. It's a bit annoying being cooped up together, you know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But in when you reached out to me, you said you've been playing games for like 10 years, right? Yeah, well, the first ever kind of experience I've had with playing games was I was probably maybe three or four. I got a DS for Christmas, the original DS. 
and um, I had Mario Bros, New Super Mario Bros. So that was like one of the first games I've ever played in my life. Like I actually, I have it. it's in my drawer over there. But um, yes, that's kind of where it all kind of started off. You and are so lucky. I, the DS is such an awesome console to start on. Yeah. Well, like at that time when I was younger, when I used to play all them games, I had never really kind of understood, you know, stories or anything. I would just, you know, play the levels. Mm. So when when I moved on to an Xbox 360, I had been playing games, but I never finished any that I played. So that's why I'm kind of revisiting them all now while we're in the lockdown so I can go back and, you know, have the nostalgia and all and then finish the games that I never originally finished. Excellent. That's a lovely idea. Yeah. Like. And uh, so tell us, you've got two games in mind that you really wanted to talk about on the air. What's the first one? Uh, the first one is Assassin's Creed 2. Okay, I've played Assassin's Creed 1, but not 2. So it's a very kind of open world, sort of big on exploring type game, right? Yeah, oh my God, it was amazing. <laughs> I finished it last night at 2 in the morning. <laughs> I went and, uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, I had gotten pretty far into it as a child but like I kept getting stuck at this one particular part mm. so I just keep replaying it until I got to that part and then I'd never ever finished it so like yesterday was the first time I finished it and it left on like a bit of a cliffhanger and I don't have the next Assassin's Creed game so I was a bit, a bit annoyed that um, the story kind of left me like that mm. Yeah, I know what you mean. Like, it's I've had loads, like, especially with the Final Fantasies, I've had loads of games where you just get stuck at one point and you just put it down for a while and you get really frustrated that you haven't got past that point, you know? Yeah, because I can remember YouTube videos on how to, like, get past this specific parkour section, but I didn't really understand any of the mechanics of the game, so I was never able to, like, do it properly. But then when I started playing the game, I kind of understood more of how to play it. Okay, well, well, just to back up a bit there, because we have a few listeners who are like brand new to gaming and stuff. What is Assassin's Creed in a nutshell like? Um, it's basically like the world is kind of well, it's it's kind of set back in like the past. So Assassin's Creed Two took place during like the Renaissance. So you play as Ezio, who's he's kind of arrogant at the start, but you kind of see him mature throughout the game. Because his family was killed by Templars, who were like the bad guys. And he's on like a hunt for vengeance. But like in doing so, he stumbles past upon like these like ancient artifacts and all. And he's looking to discover about like the Apple of Eden and all this sort of stuff. So it's like, it's, it's really good. I recommend it. So like, um, because you mentioned the historical setting, like, do you think there's a lot you can learn from playing about like about the Renaissance and that kind of stuff? Like, yeah, actually, because Ezio's like friend in Assassin's Creed is Leonardo da Vinci. No way. So, yeah, so he's one of the main characters. That it's is absolutely cool, yeah. mad. I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> and actually, and like, so you go first. Sorry. sorry. No, you go first. Um, there. And even in the later. Creed games like Assassin's Creed 2 or 3 sorry which is in like the American Revolution like you talk with Paul Revere and all them and George Washington so it's 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 really nice to have that kind of interest if that's what you're looking for so it's not kind of like a mindless action game like there is real kind of cool world building yeah, to get you, lost in like you can't, you, 
yeah, you kind of learn about it from a third perspective. Hmm. And uh, can I ask, is it still, because I played the first one way back when, is it still using the conceit of like you're being sent back in time to your ancestors, like that kind of thing? Yeah, like the main kind of modern character, his name is Desmond. He like goes through this machine to like relive his memories from his ancestors. So they're all like in his bloodline apparently. So okay. um, it starts off with like all the different characters. And like if you look up a family tree, it's like all the protagonists from the games are in his bloodline. Okay. And um yeah. Can I just ask then about the actual gameplay? Because this isn't like an action, like kind of punch your way through type thing. There's proper stealth involved, isn't there? Not so much in the earlier games. It was kind of hard to stealth because the only thing you really had was throwing knobs. Yeah, I suppose. But in more of the later games, there was specific stealth modes and all. So. But you know what I mean, like about how yeah. like you can walk through crowds and blend in and all that kind yeah. of stuff. It's not it's not like Hay-Bales Castlevania, like you know. Yeah, I know what you mean. Awesome. And can I ask? Because I know you mentioned you kind of played this before and you've come back to it. Why now yeah. have you decided to play this game? Um, I was just looking back through all the games I had on the Xbox One, and I had downloaded from ages ago. I had Assassin's Creed Two. Yeah. And I was just thinking about it, and I went into it, and I found my old save files. And stuff. So I kind of just started again, you know, tried to learn the story and what actually happened, because I never really understood what was happening. And I just kind of got a bit addicted to it. <laughs> yeah, it's really, I think, it's kind of like Skyrim in that way, where you can get really lost in the world more than the story itself, you know? Yeah, like, at the moment, I think I'm going to try and 100% the game like get all the collectibles and stuff because <laughs> um, I don't know I just would really like to have that like, to say about myself yeah 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 I've got to say it's um, very rarely do I like actually 100% it if I've got the end of the story in mind what what kind of stuff do you have to do to actually get all like is it side quests or is it finding things like what do you have to do so along the way I've kind of been you know, I've had that thought in my mind, okay, we're going to 100% at the end. Mm. So, like, around the whole cities of Venice and all, okay. there's, like, feathers everywhere. You need to collect 100 feathers. You need to do, like, 20 little, like, challenges and stuff and races and events, stuff like that. Okay, so it's proper value for money, like. Yeah, I, I thought it was amazing. I think I, I got it on sale, like, years ago, maybe eight years ago. Well, that's what I was going to ask, like, because you kind of mentioned it already. There's like a whole host of Assassin's Creed. There's five or six now, isn't there? Um, I don't know. I think there's maybe 11. No way. <laughs> maybe 11. Yeah, maybe 11 coming out this year. Something like that. Oh, my gosh. Um, like, I'm lost for words actually thinking about it. Like, it's just amazing. Well, I mean, I think it's a great pick, like, for uh, net playing now while we're all kind of locked inside. Like, if you had to sort of yeah. pitch it to, like, other people who hadn't heard of it or maybe heard of it and just hadn't played it, what's the really special thing about this game? Like, Well, what's special to me about it is I got at least about 20 hours out of it already. You know, mm. like, you can, like, sit down and when you look at the map, you know, you have to go to all the viewpoints mm. and then you just see all these, like, Dots in your map, you just go around completing everything, doing all the missions, 
you just kind of sit there getting lost mm. like last night when I completed it I was like okay I'll do one more mission and then I just finished the game two hours later oh yeah then another and then another and then another like <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's funny actually it's I nice. meant because when you picked that game, I meant to ask you, like, uh, we had an actor called Sirsha Shanae on last week who said that she finds kind of the big open world games very stressful because she kind of gets lost in them. Like, why do you find these kind of big open world, loads and loads of side quest games relaxing? Like, uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure. I just think it's really kind of fun to be able to just do whatever you want. Yeah. Like... If you really want, you could just go in and kill all the guards that you see and all, or you can run across the rooftops and stuff. It's just a nice little thing to be able to do, like um, to get like the, the the best armor in the game. You have to do like six like puzzles, assassin tombs they're called. So like being able to have the choice to do these like tombs and get the armor and stuff, and like spend money to get all the different weapons i just thought it's really fun because it's very personal to you if you get me yeah so you like the kind of the freedom and customization it allows you like yeah because if you play other games like i'm just gonna mention mario because it came to my head yeah like everyone's experience is gonna be more or less the same but if you're playing all these open world games like you know assassin's creed or grand theft Auto or whatever it's like your experience is going to be very specific to you depending on how you like to play games okay that's a really good point like it's like not like an on the rails every story is the same thing you like it to be your story that you play it however you want with a character that is customizable to you yeah like this, this story is linear but you can choose what you want to do whatever you want like it's just it's, it's cool to be able to choose what you want to do instead of kind of thinking about it as a chore. Mm. You know, I have to do this mission, you know. Yeah, it's properly immersive. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you very much. I may ask you more questions on that later, but I believe you also have a second pick, right? Yeah. So, um, uh, so it, was, it was Black Ops 1, right? Yeah. Okay, so Call of Duty Black Ops. I have played Call of Duty games before. I haven't played Call of Duty Black Ops. Like, what's the game in a nutshell like? Um, well, mainly I'm going to kind of talk about the campaign. So, was so? the main like point of nostalgia for me when I got the game. But um, so in the campaign, you basically play as protagonist Mason, who's a brainwashed soldier in kind of the Vietnam era. So he's getting brainwashed and you're kind of going back in his memories and, you know, reliving the missions that led up to the point where he is now. So you're kind of trying to uncover this, like, Russian secret that they have planted in your brain. Like, so they're asking about the numbers and stuff. So they're trying to uncover all the secrets that they planted into him. And then the main character, that isn't him, like a side character, Reznov, turns out just like part of his mind mm. so you go through the whole game thinking of you know Reznov but he was just imagining Reznov you know okay so it properly it's like a sort of winter soldier thing it properly plays with the idea that you, we can't trust the character you're playing like and what he sees like 
Yeah, like until about halfway through the game, you kind of started to wonder, you know, what's happening because there was one mission where you sit down with JFK. <laughs> what? And, yeah, and he has a like, he sends you on a mission, and he has a hallucination. He has a hallucination where um he holds a gun up to JFK's face, and you kind of left wondering, like you know, why did that happen? But it all gets explained in the end. Okay, all right. So it's not like because I've played Call of Duty games before, and when we talk about Call of Duty, it they mostly talk about the multiplayer. So there is like a proper story you can get your teeth into, like. Yeah, the main sticking point for the older Call of Duty was the campaign, I think. Okay. I wasn't really old enough to kind of be immersed in the multiplayer. Right, okay. And, like, um, it's still, like, a proper kind of shooter-type game, though, right? Yeah, it's kind of gory and bloody and all. And mm. It's just... It, it's, it's cool to, you know, see all these, like, battles going on and these, like, black operations, you know, that just weren't marked down. Right. And just be this kind of super soldier, I suppose. Okay, you mentioned the Vietnam War as well. So is this game set in the present then, or is it, like, kind of set back in the 60s? Yeah, it's around 60s, 70s, I think. Okay. It's the first game. Okay, well then, are you kind of drawn to games that, like, have a different historical setting, or is that just, like, a coincidence, like... I think actually now that I think about it, that's just a bit of a coincidence. Okay. But like the the main reason I picked those two games is because I'd never completed them because I was too young to kind of really understand. Yeah. And they have like a lot of nostalgia for me. Ah, that's fantastic. Because because with Call of Duty Black Ops, you know, it just reminds me of like couch gaming with my like friends. You know, all like looking at the maps and stuff, kind of. Yeah. Getting freaked out in the zombies mode and stuff like that. Well, that's what I was going to ask you. So do you play multiplayer on it as well, or is it just the campaign? Well, the servers are kind of empty. On oh, really? Black Ops 1. Yeah, so you can't really play multiplayer unless you want to play local. Well, but, that um, means that, does it still offer you a local of playing with two controllers on the one console? Because I know they're kind of phasing that out now. Uh, yeah, that's what I was just going to say. Like The odd time I play with my brother, you know, I'll try and do like, you know, we'll do sniper battles and stuff and it's kind of a bit of fun. Yeah. It's a real shame, though, because, like, I have loads of games from, like, you know, the early 2000s and stuff that the multiplayers are just dead unless you play with bots or something like that. Have you run into that problem yeah. with a lot of your games, like? Well, not so much, but a lot of the older games that I have, you know, I have a couple of old Call of Duty games. Mm. Like, you can't really play on servers. Like actually, only recently I think PewDiePie accidentally uploaded a Call of Duty Black Ops One video, and the servers like kind of got reignited for a while. Oh, I see. Okay, so yeah. they still work, but they just need the people to be there playing it. Like, yeah, like there's a counter at the bottom that says there's a million people online, but it was debunked as a, like a myth, so nobody's actually online. Yeah, and the and... people that are online are usually hackers. Oh, I see. So have you ever run into yeah. problems with that before? Like. <laughs> Um, not, not personally, but like, I've seen YouTube videos where like, they're going into lobbies and they're just getting hacked the whole time. Yeah, a friend of mine, uh, like Luke Riley, who was one of our guests on a previous episode, he's a streamer and he's had problems where, because obviously it's streams are open to the public. He's had loads of people joining his party who have like only played one hour, but they have the max stats and all that stuff. Yeah, it's insane. Like, I remember... One time, maybe maybe eleven, 
my my friend he installed USB mods onto Call of Duty Modern Warfare, the the first Modern Warfare. Yeah. And um, it was it was just hilarious to like run around in these like dead lobbies, you know, just blowing everything up and having like hit markers everywhere and all. Yeah. That's absolutely mad. Like, but like, is there still enough variety on it on the local play? Like, what kind of you said there's zombie, but what kind of game options are there? Like, well, you can play like traditional multiplayer, mm. or you can play like the zombies, which is kind of you know round based. So yeah. you go up the rounds, you get better guns and stuff. But I think the newer zombie games are better, mm. like Call of Duty Zombies. Okay, so like, um, um. With the zombies, it's the two of you against everyone else. It's like kind of rounds, like. Yeah, so as you go up the rounds, the zombies, you know, they run faster, mm. they hit harder, they spawn, there's more than spawn at the same time. Yeah. It just basically gets harder. So, like, you could try your best to get to like round 100, or you can try and do all the Easter eggs and stuff. <laughs> What's the furthest you've ever got in? What's the best round you've got? Um. I haven't really tried to get higher rounds. I think the highest I ever got was Call of Duty Black Ops 3. I got to round, I think, 32. That's really good. I har- yeah, I won the harder maps. But we weren't trying to get to the higher rounds. We were kind of trying to keep the rounds low. Yeah. And would you do it, like... So since you play 3, would you still do a lot of online gaming then, or...? Um, time occasionally i'll play some online games with my friends like you know warzone sometimes fortnite we play custom games yeah. rainbow six all them kind of games okay and have you been playing those kind of games more since you've been out of school like or um not really i've kind of been revisiting all the older games just kind of playing by myself okay like you know la noir all that sort of stuff so really properly story heavy stuff like yeah linear kind of immersive games Okay, awesome. Now, just to kind of bring this background to where we started, uh, what console do you play Black, Op- Black Ops 1 on, and who would enjoy it then? Uh, I've been playing Black Ops 1 on the Xbox 360. Right. I think as long as you kind of, you're looking for, well, it kind of covers all bases, really. So anyone, there's content there for anyone who really wants it, if you get me. Yeah, yeah. Is there, like, because would you need to be really good at shooter games to play it, or is this somewhere people can start, like? I think it would be a good place to start, because if you're playing the campaign, you know, there's different difficulty levels, mm. where, like, pop into zombies and you could improve your aim and stuff like that. Mm. Okay. Really good place to start before you, like, go into these competitive matches in the newer yeah. games. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because, like, uh, I I do play shooter games now and again, but I think when I try and bring my friends on, they're a bit intimidated by the online aspect of it. Like, you know, because other players will be already so good at it when you start, like... Yeah, like, I think there's, if you're new to all the shooter games, there's a bit of a steep learning curve because, you know, you need to improve aim, you need to have good um, awareness, all that sort of stuff. You need to know the map a bit. It's kind of overwhelming for someone who might just start out because you don't know what guns are good, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Awesome sauce. Well, in that case, 
Brandon, thank you very much for reaching out to us. It's been an absolute pleasure to chat to you. Just before we go, Thanks the games... Thanks very much for having me on. Not at all. The games you recommended were Assassin's Creed 2 and Black Ops 1. They are on the Xbox One and Xbox 360. If you've enjoyed this, you can reach out to us on Instagram, Facebook, anywhere like that. Uh, but for now, this has been The Game Quarter. And one last time, Brandon, thank you very much. Thank you for listening to a Nerd to Know Media production.